Shalom, everyone. And we want to thank you for tuning in to the Science of the Covenant podcast. I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is my father, my dad, the pastor, Richard Washington. And we are the Science of the Covenant. If at any time you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. It's in the lower part of your screen if you need to see how it's spelled out. But the science of the coming at gmail.com, or if you're watching on YouTube on a computer, you can send a message in the chat or a comment, and we will try to get to it on air. If you noticed or have been with us, and if you haven't, the pastor has been doing a very good series on the destiny of disobedience. And if you've seen and been listening to the news lately of everything that's been going on with the basketball player Kyrie Irving, with the uh, musician Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, uh, even a few years ago with Nick Cannon's situation, the destiny of disobedience addresses a lot of why those things are going on, not only to them, because when you look at how we've been cut down in the streets by the hand of other nations, it deals with all of that. So if you haven't listened to any of the destiny of disobedience, there are right now we have seven up on YouTube. Six right now on the podcast, the seventh will be up pretty soon. You need to go back and listen to them because all of them builds upon each other and understanding why we have been going through what we're going through. So with that, Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Thank you very much, boys. What we're going to do is continue. I believe this is the eighth uh, section of the destiny of disobedience and we want to continue with that now last week we left off with uh, the fact that Yeshua himself he continued to keep the covenant even when the situation was kind of bleak and he was in the wilderness he quoted from Deuteronomy and he was able to overcome in that area so what we want to uh, do is continue today, and we're going to kind of move up more to a contemporary setting of today and see where we are. So as we get started, we want to go to the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we want to consider a few verses. But in the mean, on your own time, I would like for you also to take the time to read in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be able to study you and the covenant that you have given to your children. And we pray that as we study your covenant and relate it to us for today, that we may better understand the plight that we are in. I ask that you would give us insight into the scriptures and understanding, oh, Heavenly Father, how to make the application to our lives this day and at this time in this way. So we ask thy blessing upon me, bless him who hosts this program, bless those of us who listen, that we may internalize the things that we have, that we may be better be able to follow you and to walk in obedience to your covenant, that when you do come, you can find those who have been faithful to the things that you have said rather than just the things of man that we may be ready to not only welcome you, but welcome the new kingdom 
These blessings and others we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay. What we've been uh, attempting to show is that much of what we are dealing with today is as a result of the breaking of the covenant in the times past, which is uh, caught up with us today. So we we were showing that Elohim people had been scattered abroad over the earth, as we looked at in Deuteronomy 28. And one of the questions out of that had come that uh, because we've broken the covenant, has Elohim taken his hands off of us and just let us fend for ourselves? Okay, let's see what his word says about when we break his covenant and what is happening to his people today as well as yesterday. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we want to start with verse number one as we uh, start this discourse. And this is our eighth discourse on this particular topic, the destiny of disobedience. And it says in verse one of the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, and it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to man among all the nations, whether the Yah, thy Elohim, has driven thee, and shalt return unto Yah, thy Elohim, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee, this day thou shalt, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then Yah, thy Elohim, will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whether Yah, thy Elohim, hath scattered thee, if any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will Yah thy Elohim gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee, and Yah thy Elohim will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And Yah, thy Elohim, will circumcise thy heart. He will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love Yah, thy Elohim, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and, with, and thou mayest live. And Yah, Thy Elohim will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of Yah and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. So in those first eight verses, what we were understanding is, is that his people were under the curse, and they had been scattered, and they were being mistreated by the nations who had taken them into captivity. But here in this verse, he is saying 
that Elohim has mercy toward his Israel, even though they were not doing what he said. But he said, if they have been taken into captivity into distant lands and they were being mistreated, he said he would turn their captivity if they would return back to his covenant. So if they would return back to his covenant, he said, I'll bless you by taking you back to the land of your fathers and I will multiply you and you will be even greater than your fathers if you return back to me. So we need to keep this in mind that even though we are still experiencing the atrocities of the things that are happening to us as a people, if we are the true people and he says if we return back to him, we will still get the benefits of having the blessings if we return back to him. So when we consider where we came from and where we are and where we are going, it has to be with the covenant of Yah in man. You see, Yah isn't going to lay his covenant aside to accommodate man's government, just as when we left Yah's covenant, we also left him. Therefore, when we come back to his covenant, we come back to him. His covenant is his bond with his people. Elohim treasures his covenant, and those who keep it becomes the apple of his eye. The covenant he made with Adam and Eve, he confirmed at his crucifixion to have his seed bruised by the by the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. So when we look at Genesis 3.15, that was a promise to Adam and Eve. And after the destruction of this world by water, Yah's covenant to Noah is still fresh to us today as it was back then. Now, when we turn to Genesis chapter 9, in Genesis chapter 9, and we look at verse number 13, Genesis 9, 13 tells us this. Here we are told in the Holy Writ that was written by Moses in verse 13 of the ninth chapter of Genesis, he said, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Okay. So that was a covenant <clears throat> that he had given to uh, his people back then. And so we know that Elohim is one that keeps covenant. Once he keeps covenant with us, that covenant is not to be broken. We may break it, but he himself keeps covenant. So when we look at Genesis 9, 13, he says he put a bow up there, and that bow was to represent the covenant that he has with his children. Now, when we consider the fact that the bow was the token that he had for his children, then we want to see that he's a covenant keeper. Now, when we turn from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible into Revelation chapter 4, and we read verse 3. And verse 3 of the fourth chapter of Revelation says, And he that set 
was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. So the rainbow that he had given to Nora, that he would be a covenant keeper, now we find in the book of Revelation that it has a rainbow around his throne, which reminds us of the rainbow that he had given to Noah, that it would never flood and destroy this world again by water. And he has kept that covenant all the way up until now. Yes, we do have catastrophes uh, by rain. Uh, we have floods, but it's never wiped out the entire planet because there's a covenant that he would not do that again. And when we engage in warfare between Yah's covenants and man's government to control his people, when we uplift his covenant, he will uplift us. When we fight for his covenant, he fights for us. When we defend his covenant, he defends us. It is so important that we understand his covenant and obey his covenant because his covenant is the things that makes us the apple of his eye. We must not belittle Yah's covenant nor minimize his laws and statutes. Yah started this world with his covenant, and he will end this world by his covenant. And the new world will be ushered in with the new covenant of the blood of his son. We must keep in mind that everything Yah created, he created with a covenant. This is why the very serpent the devil used to deceive our first mother Eve was called into accountability for not glorifying Yah, but the evil one. When she partook of that fruit, she was glorifying the covenant of Satan rather than that which she had made with Elohim. The serpent, no less than our first set of parents, was the first to make a breach in Yah's covenant. Our first parents made a breach in the covenant. Why is it that from our enslavement to now, it had been difficult, it has been difficult for Yah's true people to be regathered and set free? Why is that? At this juxtaposition, let us consider some of the polemics as to why when Yah's people came forth out of enslavement, that they could neither reunite as a people nor be fully free from the oppressive measures of a nation which claims to have freedom for all. Why is that we were still in freedom when this nation proclaimed freedom for all? Why is that? When we consider the fact that many of the Reconstructionists among the people of color were of various cultures, religions, philosophies, as to how to bring about a better life for themselves in the Americas. When the Emancipation Proclamation issued by Abraham Lincoln on September the 22nd, 1862, to free and, en and enslave people in territories still in rebellion against the Union from January the 1st, 1863 and forward. After they were free, no reparations were given to them 
for past labor, they agree <coughs> they were uh, they had <coughs> put them in a situation that when they were free, they could still not do for themselves. But we find that after the emancipation and during the time of the reconstruction, they were they were not given any re remunerations to start over. Congress provided for the reorganization of the Confederate States in an act of reconstruction in the year, in the years from 1865 to 1877. However, a vast amount of the Hebrew people referred to as Negroes were freed in the South and made their way up north to the textile industries where the cotton they once picked was used up north to make clothing. Some of the so-called Negroes became sharecroppers, but due to the fact that many of them could neither read or write, they were taken advantage of by those with whom they rented their crops from. They became sharecroppers and they rented out land, but they were taken advantage of because they could not read or write to know that the slave master was still using them as if they were on the plantation. Coming out of the enslavement, the, the Hebrew so-called Negro encountered a plethora of obstacles which impeded the progress of advancing oneself out of the plight he was in and to become a citizen of this country whereby he was given all the privileges and opportunities as those who had come from Europe. While the Moors who settled in this country fared a lot different from those classified as Negroes. However, when we consider the fact that the so-called Negroes during the period of the Reconstruction back then and his plight today has not changed in his citizenship status, even though much of his standards of living has improved. At this juxtaposition, let us both analyze what is needed in order to get out of this evil system we're in and why philosophical approaches of our civil rights activists have not been able to fully emancipate us as a people. These two questions are vital in the understanding of how we will ultimately be able to come into a clear awareness of how we got into our situation in order to eventually get out of it. What is needed in order to get out of this evil system we're in? What is needed? When we consider the question, it certainly isn't a new question in the sense that it has been asked before, but it is rather new in the sense of exploring what it is if we are to truly be free from an oppressive system which values some and devalues others. In order to 
solve a problem, there are at least three stages by which we by which is needed in order to bring about the desired outcome. In dealing with these three stages, we have the following. First, we have the condition. Second, we have the cause. And third, we have the cure. So this first stage concerns itself with the facts as it relates to a condition, and we call this condition a diagnosis. Now, the word diagnosis comes to us from two Greek words, respectively. The word di, D-I-A, and we also have the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. So when we take di and put it with gnosis, we have diagnosis, D-I-A plus G-N-O-S-I-S. Now, the word dia or die means through, through. And the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, means knowledge. So when you put die with gnosis, it means through knowledge. So die means through, and gnosis means knowledge. So when we do a diagnosis, it is through knowledge that we observe the condition of something or somebody. So from the diagnosis, we move to what we call, to, to what, it, what, what, what causes this condition. And this is called the etiology, E-T-I-O-L-O-G-Y, the etiology. And from the etiology, we discover the causes and we move to what it is that will remedy the situation, and we call this the prescription. So let us now take and examine why we as Yah's people are in the condition that we are in. When we observe our condition, not only here in North America, but also in other parts of the world, we find that we are in the lowest stratus of society. The places where Marcus Garvey traveled, he recognized and observed that the melanated people were mistreated everywhere that Garvey went. He also stated that if we are and in our kingdom. He said, here in America, we have no kingdom. He said, if we are kings and queens, we have to have a kingdom. So where is our kingdom? So he said, our kingdom is back to Africa. That's where our kingdom is. That's where we come from. We were kings and queens in Africa. He said that the kingdom is Africa or the land of Ham from where we come from. When we come to this country called America on ships in chains, we were mistreated by the settlers who had come from Europe. They subjugated the American Indians in taking his land and enslaved those they brought from 
the land of Ham to work their fields. As we observe from our plight here in the Americas, before, before and during and after the period of the Reconstruction, we are faced with a number of factors which we as an enslaved people were confronted with because we weren't given full citizenship. We needed civil rights because we weren't given humane treatment. We needed human rights. Many of the enslaved people were not only forbidden to read, but they were there were laws against teaching them to do so. So they needed academic rights. When they were freed after the Emancipation Act and during the period of the Reconstruction, they were given, they were not given reparations for the work they did. They were in need of economic rights. Many of them went north in order to find work in factories. In many cases, we weren't given a job until others were hired first and we were hired last. We were in need of labor rights. By the enslavement of people being removed from their native land, their language, and their people and their culture, they were in need of religious rights. Because of all of these inequities, they were in a rather unique condition which demanded of them resources of which were beyond their reach. Now, what we want to look at is, is that when they, during the time of the reconstruction of this country, and when the emancipation freed them, they had no resources really to do anything. It was the old saying, pull yourself up by your own bootstrings. But the fact is, they didn't even have boots, and nor did they have the string to pull themselves. They had nothing. They had to try to make it on their own. And so what happened is Elohim raised up certain leaders to help his people. You had what you call, you had Sojourner Truth, who was called Isabella Bomfrey. And they called her Sojourner Truth, and she was able to help many of us to come out of slavery. And you had the abolitionist, Frederick Douglass. He came forth. And Frederick Douglass, they had Frederick Douglass, when he came along and he was free. And they asked Frederick Douglass to preach on the 4th of July. And Frederick Douglass said, how can you ask me to preach on a date that my people were still in slavery? He said, that, that is an insult. And then you had Harriet Tubman. And they called her the Moses of the South under the Underground Railroad in which she was leading many of the slaves out of slavery. You had Booker T. Washington who felt that the, in order to make it, that we needed education, we needed to have trades, and we needed to uh, be able to uh, have bricks to make our own homes. 
That was his philosophy, education and building for ourselves. George Washington Carver came along, and he was able to make many discoveries out of the sweet potato and the, uh, and, the, and the peanut. And he felt that we should be people that could cultivate crops and we could make it. These are the leaders. They dealt, they deal, they dealt with the philosophy, how they saw it, and the plight in which we were in. And then we had William Edward Burkhardt Dubois, on which we call W.E.B. Dubois, and he was the one that started what we would call the uh, uh, NAACP, which exists today. We had Father Divine, and he was his name was Major Jealous Divine, but they called him Father Divine. And he was able to come along in the 18th, in the 19th century to try to help our people. And then we had Wallace Farad Muhammad. Wallace Farad Muhammad was uh, eventually the one that spoke to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and they started the Black Islam in here in America. But we see a lot of them were emerging. And we also had Sweet Daddy Grace. His name was Charles Grace. And Sweet Daddy Grace came along and was trying to help his people, even though many felt that there was a lot of exploitation going on, but his people needed help. So he stepped out on the stage to be able to do what he could do. And then we had Noble Drew Ali, who was Timothy Drew. He began to assess things and to be able to try to help his people to move forward. And he influenced Marcus Garvey, and Marcus Garvey influenced him because they were trying to establish his black businesses for the Hebrew people, who they called the Negroes, to be able to make it. And then when Honorable Elijah Muhammad came along, he continued in what we call the Nation of Islam. And before he was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he was Elijah Poole. And Elijah Poole became Elijah Muhammad after he had spoken with Wallace Farad Muhammad, who was a seller of silk. And he was able to lay the mantle upon Elijah Poole, who became Elijah Muhammad. And Elijah Muhammad began to say, let's go back to Africa, because at that time, the Honorable, not the Honorable, but uh, what we call... Marcus Garvey had influenced the movement of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that when they first started, they were also talking about going back to Africa. And then we had people like Adam Clay Powell who went into the legislative halls of the country and he was able to do much for the education of the so-called Negro in the, when he was in Congress. And over in Africa, you had Nelson Mandela trying to do things for his people over there. You also had Desmond Tutu. And then we had Malcolm X who came, who was Malcolm Little, and his parents, they had a lot of stock into Garvey's movement. And so actually the parents of Malcolm X and Malcolm X came out of the Garvey movement, but he joined the nation of Islam that had been influenced by Marcus Garvey. We had, when... Adam Clay Power was in Congress, and then he had what they call the Abyssinia Baptist Church up in New York. I believe it was in Harlem. 
And after him, you had Wyatt T. Walker, who was also of the Abyssinian Baptist Church, who was trying to help in the plight of the black people or the black Jews in Harlem. And then we, we had, in the Christian movement, we had Martin Luther King here in the States. And then we had Desmond Tutu over there working with Nelson Mandela over in Africa. And then we had Louis Farrakhan, who took on after Malcolm X, or, or not after Malcolm, because Malcolm uh, went out of the movement, and he took over after the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And then we have people like Jesse Jackson. Jesse Lewis Jackson also began to try to use what he had in order to help us in the way that he could. Now, what we see here is that Marcus Garvey's wife, Amy Jake Garvey, his second wife kept alive his philosophy after uh, Marcus Garvey's death. She wrote out his beliefs, which today have a profound effect upon black leaders today, and especially the civil rights movement of the 60s. Moreover, Malcolm X's parents, the Littles, were followers of the Garvey movement. Before Malcolm X became a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, his name was Malcolm Little. And upon joining the Nation of Islam that we know NOI, he became one of the most articulate spokes, spokesmen of the movement. While there were others like Philip A. Philip Randolph and W.E.B. Du Bois who didn't agree with some of the ways of Marcus Garvey with the issues concerning racism. However, they espoused his ideology of the racial situation. Du Bois, who established the nation, they, he, he established the National Advancement Association of Colored People, which has continued unto the day. So we see that there were quite a number of what we call civil rights activists dealing and trying to help Elohim's people. But what, but what we want to understand is why with all of the brilliant minds of these brilliant leaders, why are we still in the same plight today as we were back then? Why, why is that? Well, next week, we're going to go into the, uh, some of the causes. We looked at the condition of our people, but we, not, we have to find out what caused that condition. And then once we find out what caused that condition, then we can look at the cure for that condition. Now, the last text that we want to use is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, and we want to look at verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 20 says that thou mayest love Yah, thy Elohim, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, and thou mayest dwell in the land which Yah swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So Elohim is saying that we down here in our time, 
if we come back to him, he's still going to give us the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give us his land. Father in heaven, as we continue to look at the disobedience of our people, even though we have made progress, there are still some things that we have to put in perspective. So help us to do what we can to put those in perspective, that we can be able to not only be free, but to be able to serve you according to your covenant. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Wow. Um, so the curses that have been upon us, as according to Deuteronomy 30, they were mm-hmm. going to be put on our enemies. Yeah, they're, they're gonna do it. If 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 we turn back to do what he's saying, he said he's gonna bring us out of captivity, and he's gonna put them curses back on us on, on those who have put us in captivity. So, everything they have sown, they shall reap that they have done to us. And I would think, because normally when when you sin against someone, though not the repercussions are 10 times worse than what you dealt out. Uh, yeah, he speaks about the duplicity of, um, I mean, the uh, multiplication of the curse. Um, I think that's also spoken of uh, in, 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 in the Duke book of Deuteronomy 2, mm-hmm. uh, how uh, they're going to get much more than what they put out. And I think also in the book of Leviticus, it speaks about that as well. But you know, it uh, makes me wonder why everything that has been going on in the media with these different um, celebrity um, melanated people, are they now scared that the word is getting out there because they know what's to come? Because I think when they know that Yah's people start getting closer, getting to the point of repentance, that, time is almost up for them or what they've been going through. They've been living a high life for so long, but when you start getting ready to reap what you're going to sow, that's not going to be a, a, a nice thing. Cause I mean, you saw, we seen how, and we still feeling the effects of how the most high, when he spanked our people and still spanking us to this day. So I can only imagine what's to come. If he did his, his children this way, people that have done his children bad. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, the Apostle Peter, he speaks about that when, in judgment. He says that um, if he judge his own people, mm-hmm. he said, then what is going to be the end of those who obey not his truth? Mm. Yeah, he said, he says that. He says, if, if, if he says, woe to those who, uh, you know, uh, of the house of Israel that uh, if they obey, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be pretty rough on those who obey not the truth among his own people. But he said, woe be young, woe to those who do not obey him. Mm-hmm. If, if our end is going to be pretty devastating for them to obey, he said, what's going to be the end of those who obey not the truth at all? Wow. Yeah, it's going to be devastating. And Revelation speaks about that, too. Wow. And, you know, I was, as he was talking, I was thinking about the second exodus. And then I started, I uh, popped in my head about a Negro spiritual weighed in mm-hmm. the water. And mm-hmm. I looked up the lyrics to it, and it almost sounds like they then 
the ancestors knew back then that there would be a second exodus because they say wade in the water, Yah's going to trouble the waters. Then they even say, mentioned about the Israelites. Mm-hmm. In all these years, I think that went over our heads. They were talking about themselves mm-hmm. and all. And so I'm like, wow, that's that's just something. The, the signs have been there all these years. It mm-hmm. just, you know, it may take some people at different times before they wake up and understand who we are as a people. And I yeah, believe I think, a lot of other mm-hmm. nations already know. Yeah, I think they know. And it's, it's coming out more and more. And that's the reason uh, you're saying, you know, like, yay. Mm-hmm. When yay came out with what he said and whoopie came out with what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they know that we catching on. And this is why they're so sensitive every time uh, somebody says something against the so-called Jewish people that they get offended and they try to shit, shit everything down for those who made the remark. Mm-hmm. They want to kick them off the basketball team and penalize them. They want to cut their products and remove their products from their shelves and stuff like that. Yeah. Because they, they are sensitive because they know that this knowledge is getting out. And, it, you know, even though they may shut a few people down, it it's so overwhelming now that it, it's out there and they're not going to stop the floodgate of this knowledge of inundating the people mm-hmm. so they can only get try to put fear in your heart by what shutting down some of the voices that you think are your leaders but yay and you know uh and and whoopee and uh, uh canon and all these uh, they are they are spokesmen but they're not our leaders no well, our leaders is elohim his book his yeah. covenant that's that's the leader elohim himself yeah. So when we put it out there, you're not just fighting against us. You fight against Elohim. Exactly. And, you know, it's like um, they so quick to try to say, you know, oh, it's anti-Semitism, this and that. But you're proving people's point because in Revelation 2.9, it says when it says that people, they will be blaspheming and that. They would be from the synagogue of Satan. Everything you do is not showing love; it's showing Satan. Because when you go, when you go and shut down these people and try to destroy them, how is that of of the Most High? How is that of of God? If you are the people, seem like you would say, "You know what, my brother? You feel you are one of us? Come on, let okay, we're we're going to accept you." But they're not doing that. Well, someone they accept you as long as you don't bring that, bring that Jesus with you. They accept you, but you can't bring that Jesus. Uh, but you I know, think this even, guy Neeson, Neeson Black, I think he joined the Jewish. I think he put down Jesus, but he's black, and they they accepted him. But uh, you got to come on their terms, not not to cover the not to cover the terms, but Jewish. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of Jewish stuff they put on you. You know, they don't give you Elohim's covenant, but they give you their traditions. You have to come that way. But, you know, um, I was watching a video the other day, and Uh this guy was talking to, I think he's in Uganda. Uh And he was talking to, I believe, somebody from the Kalimba tribe who they have been practicing... I don't want to say Judaism, but mm-hmm. they've been have they've been practicing the regular. They keep the feast, they keep the holy Shabbat, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But 
the one thing about it, the one of the guys who's the leader, I guess considered the rabbi there, he said, I guess they don't believe in Yeshua, uh, that he's come yet. So I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, did you guys get the get this from the modern day Judaism, or was this carried down through generations and everything? Because they've been proven by, I guess, so-called DNA tests that they are actual Hebrews, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what I don't think they're from the tribe of Judah though, mm-hmm. and all. But it was just interesting to hear that you know they don't accept, you know, uh, Yahusha. And all. No, a lot of them they don't they don't accept him. They just they just say we got the Torah and we just look to the uh, look to Elohim ourselves. We don't we don't need no intercessor. And that's so, what they believe. So th- I mean that would mean then if you don't have no intercessor for your sins, why aren't you still uh, having committing sacrifices then for your sin? Well, they claim that one of the reasons why they don't do sacrifices is because, in fact, they don't have a temple. But you know, and I know, Abraham didn't have no temple when they started to sacrifice, no. so you really don't need a temple. But yeah. they look at it from that aspect. That's when they're trying to build another temple over in, in Jerusalem, and they say they're going to trace the DNA of people who can go back to Aaron. They'd be the priests, and they'll start to sacrifice again. See, that, their mind is not like ours, and I think this is what frustrates us is why don't they sacrifice? They don't think like we think. Mm-hmm. They think altogether different. They, they 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 feel that you know you too humble. Why would you? And they say that's when you down in the plight that you're in because you feel you need somebody to redeem you. And we don't need nobody to redeem you. Mm-hmm. This way, when when Nicodemus came to uh, Yeshua by night, he said, "We know we we believe." Uh, uh, well, Yeshua was trying to tell Nicodemus he need to be born again. But one of the reasons why Nicodemus didn't feel he need to be born again. Because he had a Jewish mind. His Jewish mind was that what do you need a redeemer for? Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't you don't need that. Uh, and and so they believe that the only people who needed to be redeemed was the Gentile people. Mm-hmm. Gentiles need, but we don't need it. So as a result of that type of thinking, when he told them we need to be born again. The Holy Spirit had to take hold of Nicodemus and show him that he needed to be born again. And as a result, uh, he was able to change that mindset. But many of the Jews, they haven't changed their mindset. Just like the Apostle Paul had the same mindset that Nicodemus had, that everybody was wrong except the Jews. Mm-hmm. And then when he struck him down on the Damascus Road, he was able to change uh, Paul's mind. And Paul went back to the same people who gave him permission to kill the Christians because they believed in Yeshua. Now he believing in him. And then his mindset has changed. Now he's able to see what Christians was, uh, the Christians or the Messianics was going through and trying to believe in Yeshua. And so many of the Jews today, they still have the mindset, we do not need a Savior to save us. We can go straight to Elohim himself. They don't look at the theology of what uh, Yeshua would need to do. When they look at Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant, they say that's not Yeshua. They say that's his people doing the suffering, not Yeshua. But the Bible speaks in the first person singular. Mm. You know, so if he, mm. if he's, go. no, go ahead. No, I'm saying if he was speaking collectively, they would have used they, but he says he. Uh-huh. 
So yeah. they, they, they have a different mindset altogether. You know, and, and then, you know, when, when you look at Yahusha, you know, we know he's of him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he came here and showed that. And, you know, still some people, you know, deny him. And, you know, to me, it's just like you deny him. You den- If you deny his son, you deny him. Yeah, that's, that's your thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. See, we're we thinking it from, a, from the Messianic or the Christian standpoint. Yeah. That's what we think. I'm not saying that we're wrong, but what I'm saying, they don't, they don't think that way. They're not taught that way. And this is why they keep telling that people do not read the New Testament. Wow. You know, we don't consider the New Testament. Uh-huh. And so if they can keep their people in, in, in uh, psychological bondage, then if they don't read it, then some of their own people who have read it, they come to the conclusion, wait a minute, these Christians are right. And the very thing that they find in the New Testament, they, they agree with it. But mm-hmm. then when they go back around their own, they're ostracized. They say, oh, you've been reading this literature that we told you not to read. And and some of them are kicked out of the synagogue. But some of them, they may, may remain with their families, but their families sometimes reject them. But then sometimes what happens is when they accept it and they tell their parents that they have accepted, their parents may read it and they may try to give some polemics for it. And some may say, well, you know, what my children are saying is right. And some may say, no, y'all wrong. <laughs> but their mindset is they, they, they don't need no intercessor. Wow. You know, <laughs> they don't want to read you. You shouldn't read the New Testament, and they don't re- want you to read the uh, Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. I tell you, they, it's, you know, they want to keep you in the dark, to me, for control purposes. Yeah. That was the same thing the Roman Catholicism did with its members. You know, they had a reading list, and if 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 they told you not to read certain things, you couldn't read it. They say only the priests of that uh, particular church could interpret the scriptures for you. And this is where Martin Luther came along, and he says, he said, we all priests, we have an intelligence that, that we can interpret the scriptures. We don't need no priests to tell us how to interpret the scriptures. We got minds we can understand ourselves. Yeah. But they said no. We're going to change the Bible to the pulpit only that the priest can interpret the Bible for you. Wow. Well, we have a couple of questions that we had our listeners have mm-hmm. sent. And the first one that reads, does Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verse 5, mean that Yah's people will go to the Middle East? If so, when does this happen? Okay, Deuteronomy, verse 5, it says, and Yah thy Elohim will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. Uh, that particular verse by itself uh, uh, is not uh, saying that uh, just by itself, but maybe with some other verses, it, it may be said that we are coming back into the Middle East, but uh, it, this, this is a promise that if they come back to him, that they will possess the land of their fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are two things that you have to look at. It's, it's not saying where are they going to come back to, and neither is it giving us a time in which they're going to come back to this place. Not in this particular verse alone. I couldn't draw that out. So we have to see how prophecy plays out and how this uh, verse can connect with the, some some of the other verses to know where we're going to go and when 
we are going to go. We know it's going to be in the last days, but uh, it doesn't tell us specific. It doesn't give us a specific time in which this go, is going to take place. At least, for not from my knowledge, just from this uh, uh, verse five of the thirtieth chapter of Deuteronomy. Well, I I, I think um, I think it's just like the second coming that we're not going to know when it's going to happen uh, because I think. Yah wants to know who's true to him and hearts are actually there, you know, because, you know, why would you want to go back over there and you don't have no plans of uh, keeping his covenant and anything in the Torah, you know? And I just think too, as far as the location, uh, if we were to know the location, I think everybody and their mom would be flocking over there now trying to get a jump on the situation. You know, mm-hmm. because we already seen when some people thought that where Israel's at now, they claiming, you know, we had a group of people that went over here, went trying to get in the country. They ended up getting in, but they still getting treated like second class citizens. So we know that can't be the place. So I, I just think, you know, when it's time, he's going to let us know and show us and everything. My question is kind of is, is he's going to raise up another leader that is going to show us the way or is he just going to show us himself? Because I know, as I have read in certain verses, it talks about, I I think it's in Ezekiel, um, about a cloud is going to appear, the same one that was in the first Exodus, a pillar of uh, a cloud of shade by day and a pillar of cloud by night and everything. And then it talks about, I guess, how the waters are going to separate again, like it did in Exodus for us to go back. I guess some going to go back, I guess, through that way. And others maybe it sounds like through the air, maybe airplanes Um, from some of the things I've read. And that's when I was looking at Wade in the water because it talks about parting of the water again. So I'm like, okay, were they talking about this then also? But I'm still reading and studying into the second Exodus. No, but yeah. Um, We have another question in series, Galatians 3.28. Doesn't this verse mean that Yah is not partial to any race or group of people? So let me get on the same page, which uh, you say Galatians uh-huh. chapter three, verse 28. Okay, let's see. that book uh, sandwich in there somewhere all right all right let's read it Galatians 3 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for they are all one in the Messiah Yeshua all right uh, read that question back again so I can okay it uh 
It reads, doesn't this verse mean that Yah is not partial to any race or group of people? Okay. Well, this this is true uh, in this text, yeah. Uh, no, he's not partial to any group. Uh, but you know, I don't want to be so simplistic as to say that this cover the whole scope of your question. Uh, you said there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, and there is neither male or free, for we are all one in Yeshua the Messiah. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I think the, the key in this verse to me are, are they in the Messiah? Okay. Uh-huh. Now, if they're in the Messiah, yeah, surely he's not looking at your ethnicity, uh, your sex, or your condition, whether you're free or bond, because you're in Yeshua. And that, do, that does away with all of that. Okay. But by the same token is is that if he's not if he if he's if he's impartial uh, when it comes to us being in in Yeshua, that's one thing. But it's another thing when we uh, are not in him. It's like a lot of people say that you know he's going to be. Uh, merciful and kind to everybody. Well, yeah, he, he does do that. He causes rain to shine on just as well as unjust, and the sun to shine on the just as well as unjust. But if they are of, of the nation, they're not following his his covenant within Yeshua, then that's where the problem is, because a lot of people say that when you are in, in all, all that's matter is that you are in, in, in Yeshua, and all you have to do is believe. And that's where a lot of people think. They said, all you got to do is just believe in Yeshua. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not that simplistic. You know, you got a lot of people say, they'll tell you, yeah, we, we believe in him. But he did away with all of all of that Old Testament. Uh, we are on a new covenant now. We can eat pork. Uh, we can wear what we want to wear. And you don't have to keep the Sabbath. But that's, that's, that's the old law. And they said, we in Yeshua, we believe in him. Well, in that type of thing, uh, Elohim is pretty partial. He is saying, you know, if you and my son, you have to do what he did, and he did according to the covenant. You can't come up and just throw away the covenant and say, well, I believe, and I, since I only believe, and the Bible says that when you believe in him, you become one of his sons or his daughters, and yet you don't do anything that he, that he says do. Mm-hmm. And you say all of this stuff has been done away with. In that instance, this verse would not put you in Yeshua. It would just have a label that you are a Christian, but the content within that label, you're not doing anything that he says. So Mm -hmm. in one instance, if we are doing what he says, that scripture holds. But if you're not doing what he he says, you just got a label that you are in him, but your lifestyle is contradictory to the things that he wants you to do. All right. With that, we will transition to our next segment.
How's that? Up next is Let's Talk About That. So today in Let's Talk About It, we've been hearing a lot of things that's been going on. And I think there are a lot of lies that are being told. So today I kind of want to talk about lies. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn with me to Proverbs, the 26th chapter, and we're going to read verses 22 through 28. That's Proverbs 26, verses 22 through 28. And it reads, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth disassembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. So today, Pastor, when we talk about lies, and I know you have brought it up before, you said lies lead to other sins. Mm-hmm. You know, and can you explain that a little bit more? Uh, I think you had expounded on a little bit a few weeks ago and whatnot. Uh, well, what we're looking at is, um, I think when we were dealing with it, you know, back then we were showing how lives, uh, <clears throat> basis of many of the fears that we have, you know, it, it causes fear. So mm-hmm. when we look at, you know, like fear, you know, lies, you know, it, that's, that causes, causes fear. And then when we look at, uh, what lies does mm-hmm. is because when we go to the uh, <clears throat> commandments, you know, it says thou should not bear false witness. Okay, and so that's something that the Elohim has give, given to us mm-hmm. is not to bear false witness because when you bear false witness, then what are you doing? You are aligning yourself with either one or two uh, one individual or another. Now, who are the individuals? Truth comes from Elohim, and what is lies coming from? From the devil. So, if lies come from the devil, then that would mean that if we lie, we are in cahoots uh, with with the devil. Now, let us go to uh, let us go to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter uh, I believe it's chapter eight. John chapter eight. Okay, <clears throat> and that goes to verse 44. It says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Okay, so what we're looking at is, if you trace the origin of a lie, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told our first parents a lie, 
and then when he caused up the fall. So you can't trace that to Elohim. You have to trace a lie to the devil. He's the author of it. He invented it. He brought it into existence. So when we deal with lying, we have to also consider the fact who we represent when we lie. Wow. So, um, yet, so what, the lie basically represents Satan because, he, like you said, he was the first one to lie. So, the whole, uh, so there's no instances basically where lying is okay because some people say, you know, well, a little white lie, uh, a little small lie, it, it's not going to do anything. That's what they say, yeah. You know, but a lie is a lie. You should just tell the truth mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Now, I, I just wonder, would a lie at some point bring apart, bring upon animosity? Say like the Ashkenazi uh, Jewish people who think they are the uh, part of the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. There is a second exodus and Yah takes people but them into the uh, land that was given to Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. I just wonder, would that create so much anger and animosity that they believe his life so many years that it would have part and taken place that would go against the actual Messiah and bring about also the Antichrist? even more so. Mm, that, that, that could happen. Uh, but, you know, you got all kind of uh, philosophies and ideologies um, that people, they believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got a lot of people here in Michigan and different places, they believe in militias that you shall store up all the guns that you need because this might be a racial war. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they believe in that. You know, a lot of people believe that, you know, that we need to store up a lot of food because it's going to be a, a food war. You won't be able to get food, so they're saving up a whole lot of food and stuff like that. So when I say ideologies and philosophies that people believe, that you're going to find uh, a, a, a lot of things that are out of whack. Mm-hmm. Just like you're talking about going back to the uh, second exodus into the, you know, to the Holy Land, mm-hmm. and people believe in certain ways. Well, what we have to understand is, is that this is what a lot of people have been taught, and until their thinking has been examined and looked at, they'll continue to believe what they have they have been taught, whether they have Bible or not. Mm-hmm. They they'll believe that, but does that belief mean that they're going to fool Elohim? No, they're not going to fool him. You know, even the Book of Revelation says in a number of places there, I think in. Uh, uh, Genesis 2, I mean, Revelation 2, 9, mm-hmm. it says uh, <clears throat> they they say they are Jews, but they are not. Yeah. They say they are. It's like when you drive past uh, so-called Jewish communities, they have Jewish communities. Why, why would you have a Jewish community? Uh, why would you say you're Jews? If, if you're a Jew, it seems like I would know that. That's just yeah. like me announcing who I am as a uh, as a black Jew and saying I'm a black Jew, why why would I have to tell you that? Mm. You mean to tell me there's nothing else about you but you saying it? So if you could say you're Jew, then anybody can say they are Jew. 
But does that mean that you are? Because Judaism or going aboard by the Torah is not so much what you say, but are you practicing what the Torah teaches? Exactly. So a lot of times when people say that, well, they they they, uh, they they are this and that, but yet still, when you look at the lifestyle, they're not practicing it. And then when you tell them that you are the Jews and you went through all this suffering, some of the remarks that they'll make, you mean to tell me? You enjoy being, uh, you be, you enjoy the curse of being suffering. Well, it's not that, that I enjoy the curse of being uh, going through a lot of suffering, but the suffering, according to Deuteronomy twenty nine and twenty eight, mm-hmm. is saying that the people who are suffering, they are the ones who are the true people. Mm-hmm. How do you know they're the true people? Because the Bible is giving you the sign. Yeah. If I see the sign that this is what you are, then I have to accept that I am the true people. And you're saying, well, you don't want to accept the suffering, but yet and still you want to be the true Jew. How can you separate the two? Because his people did go astray. So if you didn't go astray and you own all of the wealth in this country and you own Hollywood and the media and everything and you can shut people down, that doesn't show me that you're the true people. Mm -mm. You can't separate the suffering from the history of your people and say, well, I am the true Jew. And because y'all suffer, y'all want to claim the blessings of that. No, we ain't saying we want to claim it. We saying we are it. Yeah, we are it. It ain't nothing we claim is is something that we are. You are claiming it, but yet and still you want to divorce yourself from the suffering of it. No, I don't believe if you go into the new Exodus that uh, Elohim <clears throat> doesn't know who his people are, because yeah. I'm saying. Number one, if you are the true people, then we who are calling ourselves the true people, then y'all probably would have been in the, in, 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 in the new Exodus a long time ago. So yeah. why aren't y'all already over in there? Number yeah. one is you claim that Jerusalem, where you are, over by the, the welding wall, that's Jerusalem, but I don't think it is. <clears throat> but if that is, then... How come y'all are not, according to his covenant promises, being able to get all of all of your your people over into the promised land now? Why do we have to wait if y'all are the true people? Yeah. But if y'all aren't, then that means that uh, his true people are yet to be gathered and to be taken into his promised land. But and and I, and I was going to do a. Um... Let's talk about it on this, but uh, it kind of goes with what we're going talking about now too. Is Yah's children Israel? Is their purpose too to uh, contribute towards salvation of the other nations to bring attention to the Most High that other nations may want to follow the Living God, the Living Elohim? What were you? What, what you talking about is true people are they to bring recognition to the true Elohim? His yes. true people or the false? His true people. Oh yeah, that's 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 what they give it. But see, what, what happened to his true people, as I was given in discourse today, is that they lost sight of the covenant. Yeah. They have to they they have to be given a, uh, the covenant had to be given to them again, just like down in Egypt. Mm, when okay. they were down in Egypt, they had lost sight of the covenant. That's when he had to take Moses up in that mountain and give him the covenant again. Yeah. And, and our people are going to have to uh, restudy the covenant. They have to come in, back into a knowledge of his true covenant. And then when they get to knowledge, then they can teach it back to the world. 
But see, those who call themselves the fake Jews, they don't you want to they don't you want to cohabitate with you. They move yeah. into different cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, Michigan, and different places. They only teach it among themselves. They're not looking to, looking to teach it to you. You have to come to them. They're not coming to you. And see, you know, that to me is the whole point. Like, how can you be the true people if you're keeping everything to yourself and not trying to bring the rest of the world and put focus on our Elohim? It's like focus is just on them. They keep it in their community, and that's it. They don't want to bring in. And we know this to be true because when they had Ethiopians who were darker skinned who tried to go into Israel, they gave them a hard time. The ones, the African-Americans that went over to Israel and said they wanted to be a part that they were from uh, the tribe of Judah and mm. whatnot that ended up in Demona. And the way they're still getting treated, how can you be the true people if you're treating other people this way, because I can't believe Yah's true people will be treating other nations as such, because just like how you brought out a few weeks ago about Yah had a standard when it came to slaves that Israel had, how they should be treated. Hmm. They're doing nothing to me that says they are the true people. They're doing honestly what the Bible said, Revelation 2, 9, mm -hmm. the synagogue of Satan. You're doing things that Satan would have you do. Satan right. wouldn't be trying to ruin and cut off your life. Right. Satan would only do that. Not Yah. He's, he want, to me, he wants everyone to worship and return to the covenant. Not just Israel, but every nation that's willing to love him and return to the covenant. And mm -hmm. that's my thing. Why is it just specifically the Jews? And then... Okay, say it's just the Jews. What about the other 11 tribes? Mm -hmm. What about them? So they're, you just excluding them also? Well, apparently that's what they are. They're just putting their tribe out there, and that's it. But the fact is, is that Judah collectively is all of the tribes, not just one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my, my main thing, you know, is, is really... I think we feed off and I think the media and television and everything else that goes around and feed off in playing us against each other in a lot of these uh, uh, racist ideologies. I'm about all of us. If you, I'm, if you are an actual Hebrew and you're doing nothing to keep the covenant or the Torah, what is the point of you saying you a Hebrew? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense because to me to say, call yourself a Hebrew, you adhering to his feast days, his holy weekly Shabbat, his, his Torah, his diet, everything that included that he told us to do in the Torah. And if you're not doing none of that, you're doing still embracing everything under the sun in this wicked world. You know, to me, I more accept someone who's maybe not of Israel and who's keeping these things than a person who is claiming that you're blood of Israel and you're doing nothing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that, well, it's like somebody who had the question today, you know, in Galatians three 29, you know, if we end Yeshua, then that means that we'll be doing the things that Yeshua has given us to do. True. Yeah. He's the one that gave this up to Moses in the old Testament. Then when he was incarnated in the flesh, he didn't come down here and do contrary to what he had told Moses to do. He was right in line with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we uh, get ready to close out this uh, current podcast? And one of the things I do think, and I heard another guy from another ministry, and he said he wants all of us to start praying for repentance. And I, and, and I totally agree. I think with everything that's going on, we need to be paying for repentance for what our ancestors has done and breaking the covenant and us now, as we have broken the covenant, asking for forgiveness as we try to embrace and come back to the covenant mm-hmm. and whatnot. That's, that's, in, that's, in, uh, that's in line with what uh, the Bible teaches. Just like when you look at the world when it was destroyed by water, uh-huh. is what they needed was repentance. If they had a repented, they probably wouldn't have had to flood, you know, yeah. nor preach in 20 years. And when John the Baptist came, he was preaching a baptism of repentance. Yeah. And when Yeshua came on after uh, John the Baptist, he started his ministry with repentance. So if we don't do anything different. We are on the same trend. We need to repent. Yeah, and if we repent, then he said he will remove the curses and draw us back to the uh, land of promise that he given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we we still on the same note. Got to repent. Yeah. Okay. Let us pray, Eternal Father. Thank you for the dialogue and the things and the questions and the observations, O Heavenly Father. That as we look into your Word, that we can be able to have a proper assessment of how it is to be applied and to be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to know where to go and when to go. Because a lot of these things that you say in your word, you tell us what would transpire, but you don't tell us where and you don't tell us when. But we have to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit to be led by your spirit to be able to know when and where to go. And so we ask that you would continue to guide and direct us. Pray and ask for each one of us, and the host, myself, and each listener, that Thou would continue to give us healing in our families, O Heavenly Father, and give us health and strength to be able to get about and to be able to spread Your Word to others. And most of all, we ourselves may internalize it, that we can prepare ourselves through Your covenant promises to be ready when You do come. Now, Father, as we look forward to being reinstated into the land in which You would have us to go, that we may be observants of the Scriptures, O Heavenly Father, and most of all, followers of the Messiah, Yeshua, that we can know, O Heavenly Father, that we are walking in the footsteps that he has laid out for us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, his life can be permanent and imprinted within us that we may carry out the wishes that you would have according to your promise, the promises that you have placed within your covenant that we can be your children. And now, Father, we ask for health and strength. We ask for the necessary wealth that we need in order to cope with this world. And most of all, we ask for the relationship that we may have with thee, that we can know of a certainty that we are in your family. And when you do come, O Heavenly Father, and redeem your children, may we have so lived and walked in the way that you would have us to, that you can say of us, well done, these blessing and others. We ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you have any questions or comments, even after this podcast has aired, please email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com, and we will be happy to get to your questions or comments in our next 
podcast. That is our podcast for this week. O seed of Yasharel, his servant, ye children of Yaakov, his chosen ones. He is Yahuwah Eloheinu, his judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom.